Well, good morning. Welcome to New Year's Eve at Mount Rainier Christian Center. How many of you are going to stay with us all the way up until midnight tonight? Don't I celebrate at 9 p.m. That yeah, is yeah. how I do it. Yeah, and all the parents said amen. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No parties for us. It is about going to bed early now amen. and waking up with energy in the morning. We're old. Yes. Yeah. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. I had an excellent Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. I love spending time with family, and I love all the, the bright lights. I'm easy to please. What can I say? One of my favorite parts of Christmas, oh, well, a couple weeks ago, I had gotten a new knife, and I had sliced my finger open, and I needed stitches. But my favorite part of Christmas was all of the youth kids sending me pictures of the knives that they got for Christmas. And they're all like, hey, these are sharp. And I'm like, huh. So either you're raising them right or they just want to mess with me. I don't know. It's probably the latter, yeah, but whatever you tell yourself is probably it's fine. It's one and the same. Yep. Uh, well, good morning. Like I said, uh, my name is Tyler. I'm the youth pastor here at MRCC. That's why I get pictures of knives from your children. Yep. And I am <laughs> I am Brent. I am our group's pastor and tech wizard. And I'm starting to get the gray to match the wizard title. Oh, so Gandalf soon. Gandalf the gray, and then Gandalf the white. That's later. Perfect. Well, uh, we just have a few announcements this morning. Starting off, coming up in two weeks is our youth winter camp. We go over to Ellensburg, and we just have a ton of fun. Uh, And it's just an awesome, amazing time to get away for your students, just to be able to get with God, and so that they can receive what uh, he has for them in this season. Uh, The cost is $160, but we don't want money to be an issue for your student not to go to camp. So please, we have scholarships available. Please reach out. Um, we're, we're signing up really, really quick. Signups, uh, they go for another week and a half. And then after that, uh, they can't go, but we don't want that. So make sure you get your students signed up ASAP. Yep. And I, I love a good summer camp, but I much prefer the vibe of a winter camp. You know, our winter camp, we get the chance to go with just MRCC and our students. Great time to build relationships with each other and relationships with God. So it is awesome. Highly recommend. Uh, something else just to call your attention to that needs to start with a thank you. Uh, you. As many of you know, we've been constructing. We finished construction on the kids building. We've been adding all this stuff. If you actually walk out on your way this morning, you'll see a big LED TV wall that's in there now for the kids that just got installed yesterday. Make sure you peek through the window and check that out. Um, but all of that is possible thanks to the generosity of, of all of your giving. Everyone here has been so uh, faithful and we've been so blessed to be able to carry out that project. The kids are just having a blast and uh, it blesses the, the kids and it blesses us as a team so much. So thank you. Um, and on that note as well, if you were looking to, to continue to donate to the kids building specifically, Today is the last day uh, that you can do that. So just so you're aware for your your fiscal records and all of that, today is the last day to to put special uh, gifts towards the kids building. Yeah, and then coming up in three weeks from now is a MRCC family uh, pool party. And so it is an amazing time for your family to get together in the middle of winter, hang out at the Enum Club pool and drown each other. you're like, oh, he's he's joking, right? Um, have you seen the kids in this building? They're they're pretty crazy. They might bring their knives. I'm just kidding. They will not bring their knives. They will not bring their knives. They're like Navy SEALs. They have them strapped to their legs. They would. Um, there's a few that I can think of off the top of my head. Anyway, uh, it's just a, an awesome time for us to get together as an MRCC family. We rent out the Enum Claw pool uh, to just have some fun. And it's it's for an, your entire family. So please uh 
join us on that day. Uh, you may not know this about me, but I was an avid swimmer back in the day. I actually helped teach, uh, assistant teach swim classes no, at the Intercall Pool. I did. Wow. I did. Yep. You learn something new every day. So pool party, going to be a blast. Uh, one last thing is if you are a guest or new with us today, uh, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. And if you want to know more about MRCC and what events and things we have going on, you can scan the little QR code on the seat back in front of you. Uh, not going to show up at your house or send you a, a bunch of spam or anything. That's just a way for you to get plugged in and connected and, and get to know what we have going on. And there's going to be a lot coming up as we go into the new year. We're going to be starting our youth and kids ministries back up again. Uh, our midweek adults Bible study word works is starting back up and it will be on Wednesday nights instead of Thursday nights. Uh, now at 630 to kind of match up so you can drop your kids off and, and come hang out and get in the word with us. So that's going to be something that we're starting this Wednesday night as well, um, just for your attention. And, you know, we're ending the year and starting a new one. And what better way to bring in the new, the beginning of a new year than by starting at the beginning of God's word. So open your Bibles this morning morning to Genesis chapter 15. No introduction. What is the deal? <laughs> I'll tell you, it's hard to get good help. Ladies I, you know what? and gentlemen, Dave Yoder. Usually they're making fun of me in some way or another. Hey, I hope um, it's good to be here uh, in the house of the Lord this morning, and I hope you've had a joyful time uh, with family, with friends. Um, hope it's been a great season for you. Um, this morning somebody said to me <clears throat> that they love coming to church because this is family. This feels like home. And, you know, while we go into the Christmas season and we think of joy and cookies and all the fun that comes with it, for some people it's difficult. You know, there's, if you've lost a loved one, it can be a very difficult season. If you're going through illness or maybe your family is estranged and, and they just can't seem to forgive, come together. You know, this is, this is our family. We, as we draw near to the Lord, let us draw together and encourage each other, you know, because it's not always easy during the holiday season. So today, last day of the year, huh? I've heard some people say, hey, I'm going to put this one in the mirror, you know, and so... Um, it's maybe a mixed bag for a lot of people this last year. and But it's a time when we kind of look at the things we accomplished last year and we kind of reevaluate where we want to go, what we want to accomplish for next year. And so I thought the, the title resolutions was appropriate. It's a time when, you know, maybe we have a business and we, we kind of set some goals for the year. Maybe we lead a team at work and we're going to set some goals for, for our team to accomplish certain things. Uh, we do sort of resolutions like, man, I'm going to eat better, especially after Christmas, you know. We've had a lot of turkey, cookies, all that kind of 
fattening stuff. Uh, maybe some people are going to do some things like trying to be healthier this year, you know, trying to uh, get into the gym and lose some weight and, and some different things like that. And so we do plan resolutions and, you know, maybe even some of our resolutions are not to do some things. Maybe, you know, smoking is a struggle for us. And so this year we've decided we're going to do a better job. We're going to smoke less. We're going to try to quit. Maybe we, maybe we consumed a little too much alcohol at times this year. And, and maybe we're, we're thinking, I got, I got to do better. I got to do better. And so I re- resolve myself to do that. Some of us sometimes struggle with our tongues. And we let words slip. And so maybe, maybe changing my language for this coming year might be a, a, a good goal, a good resolution as well. In any case, as we resolve to reach these goals, we need to have some resolution with some strength. And so I want you to just look at this clip for a minute. pen. The iron does not describe the ink in the pen. It describes what was penned. It was iron. It was firm. It was mineral. No, no, no. no, no. It was it was firm. It was adamant. It was resolved. It was resolved. Mr. Matlack can't offend. Timothy Matlack was the official scribe of the Continental Congress not writer, and to make sure he could not offend the map, it was put on the back of a resolution that he transcribed, a resolution that 55 men signed. The Declaration of Independence. That's a great movie. And I think that's an example of a document that was written with a great deal of resolve, with a great deal of intentionality. The dictionary defines resolution as action we plan to do or not to do. The phrase firm decision is used to describe our intention. The word resolute describes the strength and the quality of the decision a serious intent, a serious commitment. Let's take a little poll in here this morning. How many of you plan to do some kind of resolution for this year? Raise your hands. Okay, a few. Okay. Did you know that millions of Americans are going to make resolutions this year? And the top five resolutions are as follows. Number one, improve mental health. Number two, improve fitness. Number three, lose weight. Number four, improve our diet. Number five, improve finances. Now, statistically, only about 9% of people actually complete their resolutions. 23% will fail at their resolution within a week. We kind of stink at resolution. 
I think we can make the case that most resolutions are a complete waste of time. Maybe we could use that time to focus on something that is meaningful. This morning, we're going to take a look at some scripture. We're going to look at some biblical resolution. If you're, if you're uh, taking notes this morning, and even as you're just listening, think about several things. As we're going through these passages, think about what was promised. What are the expectations that God asks? And do those promises come to pass? We begin in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring." and a member of my household will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So God makes his resolute promise to Abram that his offspring will be as numerous as the stars. And it says that Abram believed, but he still had some questions as to how that would come about. Abram may have even had some doubts while trying to be hopeful. Romans 4.19 describes the condition of Abraham at this time. It said, and Abram's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abram was going to need to trust God for something supernatural. We move on to Genesis 15, verse 7 to 10. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chald Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other. But the birds he did not cut in half. God is sensing Abram's doubt. And so he leads him into something that he knows he will understand. Abram would have understood 
and expected that he was entering into a contract with God at the altar. It is here that we see the full measure of God's resolution. Move forward to verse 12. It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Moving forward to verse 17 and 18. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot, a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The fire pot and the flaming torch are symbolic of God's signature being signed to the contract. Initially, God says to Abram, you will have many, many offspring. But now I'm going to add this other piece. I'm going to give you a place to go, a place that you will inherit, a place of residence. This is an extraordinarily one-sided contract that God makes. God signs while Abram sleeps. In essence, God is saying, this is all on me because I know you can't keep your end of the contract. Abram would have understood that when two parties go into a contract together, that there are expectations of each party. And as long as those expectations are upheld, the contract works. But if one or both parties fail to keep up their ends, then the contract becomes null and void. Biblically, we see that fire is consistent with God's presence. With God's presence. We see a similar theme in an encounter that Moses has with God. For reference sake, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, are all one and the same. So Exodus 3, verse 1 to 8. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why this bush is not burned. When the Lord God saw that he had turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, 
the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up to a land to be a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. We see in this passage further description of the inheritance that God plans to give the Israelites. The same promise that God made to Abraham about his offsprings. We also see that generations are now beginning to move. Abraham's offspring is beginning to move towards this promise that God made. God's promise is becoming real, tangible. One thing to note that it is that in, my wife told me that I needed to clarify this, that, that Abra and Abraham are the same person. Somewhere in this story, God changes Abraham's name to Abraham, and, and that means father of many nations. And I think it's just another example in God's word of the profound plan that God has and his intentionality to keep it. His promises come to pass. We move forward to Exodus 19, verse 3 and through 6. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commands, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples of all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. We see that God again reminds them of what he's done. He reminds the children of Israel that he has been faithful and he has brought them out of captivity and guided them on this journey. Then he sets some expectations for them. Following God, following Jesus is not without some expectations. And then he follows it up with what they will receive. They are going to have a special place in God's heart. And they are going to experience all the blessings that come along with that. That is the promise that God makes if they will be obedient. Jumping ahead to verse 16 through 19. It says, on the third day, there was thunder and lightning a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. 
Everyone in camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire, and the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Can you imagine standing there in that moment? First, there's this almighty, supernatural shock and awe that goes on as God presents himself to the people. And then he speaks to Moses. I'm reminded a little bit of Elijah's encounter with God on this very same mountain, very same place. God goes by in the thunder and the lightning and, and there is an earthquake. And then there is God's still small voice that speaks to him and brings calmness with it. You can look that up in 1 Kings verse 19, chapter 19. We move on to Exodus 20, 1 to 6. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. For for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third generations and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Once again, he reminds them of what he's done. And we see that now he brings some clarity to the expectations that he has on the people. At this point in the story, we know that Moses is gone for some time. He's up on the mountain with God. And God is writing his laws on the tablets and the commandments on the tablets. And in the midst of this, Israel is already being unfaithful. We jump to chapter uh, Exodus 32, 7 to 9. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people, you, for, for the people you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed it and said, these are the gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. God has every right to nullify this contract in this moment. He has every reason to give up 
on the children of Israel. Destroy his creation. How resolute God remains, even in our faithlessness and our disobedience. God knows the Israelites have a problem. And he knows we have a problem. Further evidence of our father's resolution to his promises is found in Jesus. It is Jesus who comes onto the scene and makes peace between us and God. Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now that is a resolution, right? Can I get an amen, please? God has shown us over and over and over his steadfastness and his commitment to us. So what's the point of all this? We're in this season right now where we're looking forward into 2024. And we're trying to figure out what the important things are in 2024. Our father remains resolute in offering us eternity with him. He does this through the, son, through the gift of his son's sacrifice on the cross. We just celebrated Christmas where Jesus' birth, and then he walks among us. He came off the throne to walk among us and to teach us and to give us an example of the, how we should live, the things we should do. So then the question is, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to God's resolve for us in this season of resolutions? Perhaps we should forego the usual smattering of resolutions and distractions and false hopes and turn to our Father who gives us the one and only hope. Matthew 16, 24 says the following. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each and every person, person according to what he has done. 
Perhaps this year we need to make some resolutions, some resolutions that are eternal and kingdom-focused. Each of us should take a step away from this world and enter into the, the eternal kingdom a little bit further. Here are a few ways to gain momentum and resolution in 2024. <clears throat> Number one, goals that are set out of need are more often attained. We have a deep need to draw near to Christ. And especially in this time where a lack of truth and the world is becoming more and more unstable. I heard someone say one time that as we mature in Christ, we grow downward into humility, not upward. We don't become more independent. We grow downward towards our Father in humility, and we recognize that we need God more and more and more. Develop some habits of reading God's word and praying and fellowshipping with God's people. Praying should be common to Christians, common as brushing our teeth. It should be something that we practice regularly. We have a prayer team down here every morning. We're trying to build a culture of being a praying church. But we should, as believers, as followers of Christ, we should be able to take this position on behalf of anyone at any time. Praying is that important. Number two, expect obstacles and make a plan to avoid barriers. The devil will always fill our week with busyness, with distractions, with excuses. Perception, if you're, make, if you're taking notes, write this down. Perception, how I see something, what I believe about it, is a huge barrier, a huge enemy of commitment. Create non-negotiable windows of time for God. You will find great blessing that comes from that investment. Good habits establish direction. Number three, set small goals. Celebrate when you achieve those goals. Small goals will help you manage your time so that you're not overwhelmed. Small victories give you confidence to take on more. Momentum develops out of small steps taken deliberately. Small, small victories, again, I'm going to say that again. Small victories give you confidence and to take on more. Momentum develops out of taking the small steps. We talk about in Band of Brothers that there needs to be a next step if we're going to grow in Christ. No matter how small or how big it is, there needs to be some momentum that is built. 
And so one of the ways that we can gain some momentum is by taking little steps and celebrating those when we accomplish them. Number four, create or join a group for accountability. There's nothing more motivating than doing things side by side with friends. Learning to do life together. Life is hard. We need to share our lives with each other. Learning to pray with others. A small group is a, is a small, safe place to learn how to pray. Learn to study the word with others. And learn to serve side by side with others. Some of the most profound spiritual growth comes from small group life and serving. God gives us so much. His promises are set in stone. We see evidence throughout his scriptures of all the things that came to pass. What he said happened. And so as we look forward into this new year, let us take some steps in our Father's directions. Let us leave some of the things in this world behind. Now, I want to I want to give you a little object lesson this morning as I get ready to close. Some of you know that I'm kind of a turkey fanatic, a wild turkey fanatic. And so in in 2022 I made a commitment, a resolution that I was going to become the grim reaper to every turkey that I was hunting. I was going to become a really good turkey caller, okay? Much to the chagrin of my wife. Anyhow, I, I want to point a few things out about, about this illustration. And, I'm, and I'll do that, but I'm going to give you a little demonstration first. So I had not picked up a turkey call in 30 years before 2022. And so... There are, there are three basic sounds that turkeys make. There is, there is the yelp. Okay. There are clucks. And then there are purrs. Okay. So 30 years ago, I knew the basics. But... Where, when you really get good, it's your transitions and putting it together. So what I can do is I can sound like a flock of turkeys feeding along through the woods. Okay? Now, here's the thing. This is a ridiculous resolution. Okay? Doesn't, it, it doesn't stand for a hill of beans. It's, it's nothing in comparison to praying for someone. 
or coming alongside to, with someone who is suffering, or even on Sunday mornings greeting a stranger, or just loving on somebody, giving them a hug, you know? And so as we go into this coming year, I think that this is an example of, you know, something that maybe isn't so important in contrast to something that is. But I did all this. This was actually not that hard to do because what I did was I put my calls out on my, on my uh, desk in my wife's sewing room. <laughs> she loves that. And, and what I do is I go in there. Every time I go in the room, I practice for a couple minutes. And I'll pick one up, put it down, pick another one up, call, you know, and I just mess around. Sometimes I'm in there for, for five minutes. Sometimes I'm in there for 15. Sometimes I'm in there for, for 30. But what it does is it creates intuitiveness. And so when I go out in the woods and I'm talking to real turkeys, it, this stuff just comes out, okay? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing to keep in mind. And this is why I did this illustration. is because it's the little things that we do repetitively that allow us to accomplish something without it taking up all our time. And I think that we can all do that, you know, a little bit more this coming year. And we can turn to our Father. And we can draw nearer to him. And we can experience the fruit of doing that. So I'd like you to just bow your heads with me. Father God, we just come into your presence this morning. And, and admittedly, we struggle as human beings with picking the wrong things to put our hope in and to put our attention on. And Lord, we come into your presence and, and, and we realize that, that we need your power. We need your strength. Sometimes even just to have the desire to do something. We cannot do this on our own, Lord. And so as we look forward to this coming year, Lord, we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts our souls help us to evaluate the things that are pleasing to you help us to rest in the fact that you have given us the most immense gift that's ever been given and that help us to respond to that help us to put a smile on your face because we're running to our father we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you'll stand with me, I want to just wish everybody a happy new year. Remember as you go this evening to different places, remember two things. We are a kingdom of priests and be safe. Have a great happy new year.